one beast would be bad enough. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Recently, we've read in Revelation 12 about the woman clothed with the sun, her child, and the dragon, all simple symbols. Today, as we turn to chapter 13, we'll see the beast, another name for the Antichrist, and another beast. We're finding out in this series that the final book of the Bible isn't as baffling as it seems if we understand the structure. Today, Pastor Jim will wrap up his sermon entitled, The Blackest Day in the History of the World. We meet the next dramatic character in chapter 13, verse 1. After John saw the woman, after he saw the beast, after he saw who the man was, after he saw Satan cast out, then John says, I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. And you can read all about him there. You've read that chapter many, many, many times. Notice the dragon, I'm reading verse 2, the dragon gave him his power, his throne, great authority. One of his heads appeared to be fatally wounded and his fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was astonished. The whole earth followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. They worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast, who is able to make war against him. A mouth was given to him to speak boasts and blasphemies. He was also given authority to act for 42 months. So the dragon secures a protege. Some have taught that, that just as Judas was indwelled by the devil, the night he betrayed Jesus. So this person, this individual, this one who formed that treaty with the Jewish nation in the first place, he is going to be indwelt by, he's going to be Satanized. Not indwelt by another inferior demon, but indwelt himself by Satan himself. I don't know if I can press that as much as they do, but it's very clear that this person, this one who is being described, this beast that comes up out of the sea, and that usually pictures a Gentile, that this Gentile is immediately empowered by Satan by the dragon, by the devil. And he acts out of the resources of satanic, not demonic, but satanic power. Demons are lesser spirit beings in Satan's army or in his court. Satan is the head honcho. And the passage is telling us that this person, this person who rises out of the sea, the same one, of course, who made the treaty with Israel originally, goes through a phenomenal energizing process so that he actually exercises the authority, the power of Satan himself in his, in his, um, in his activities. A mouth was given to him to speak blasphemies. He was given authority to act for 42 months. 
He began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name, his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. He was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. That's the same group that the devil turned to pursue when he left the woman in the wilderness, the saints. And the text tells us that he will be permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. He was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All those who live on the earth worship him. Everyone whose name is not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. Bingo. Meet the Antichrist, the false Christ, the alternate Christ. It's satanic or Satan's offering of his Messiah. That's who this is. And we learn that there's another personage who comes on the scene. We meet him there in verse 11, where John says, I saw another beast. This one comes up out of the earth, which suggests he may be of Jewish lineage. He comes up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. He sounded like a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. He compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth before people. He deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs he is permitted to perform on behalf of the beast. Telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the sword wound yet lived. He's permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He requires everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on his forehead so that no one can sell or buy unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of his name. Now, there you've met them. Those are the key actors. Those are the key proponents who play out their roles during that second 42 months, during that second half tribulation period. This image, um, uh, that he performs. Look at it again, verse 15. He was permitted to give a, first of all, he's permitted to make an image of the beast, and then he is permitted to give a spirit to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause, etc. First time we were at uh, Disney World years and years and years ago, millenniums ago. I remember seeing in one of the shows there this incredible figure of uh, President Lincoln, and he's sitting in the center of the stage up there, and the lights come on, and the music comes up, and he stands up, and he speaks. And I thought, wow, that's what it's going to be like to hear 
you know, this image of the beast. There, that was an image of Abraham Lincoln. This will be an image, a portrayal, a body-esque portrayal or image of the Antichrist. I don't think that anymore. I think this is demonic. I think that what happens is justice happened to poor people in the New Testament when Jesus was here and may yet happen to people in our culture. I think that what happened is this false prophet has power and signs and significance in the demonic world. And I think that this image speaks by the power of an impregnated demon. Uh, perhaps a demon as powerful as Apollyon. We met him over there uh, when we saw the fifth, uh, the fifth trumpet sounded and the abyss was opened and those hordes of demonic hosts who are held captive there were permitted to come out and to fill the earth and to cause seven months of indescribable torment. One of them is called the king and he is called Apollyon. He would be the kind of demon that would be good at this. And what he would do, he would simply take his residence within the mechanical device or the humanoid device or whatever kind of material is used for building this image of the, the Antichrist himself. And then he would be able to speak, he would be able to think, he would be able to strategize, he would be able to do all that is said here. And Thus, he would be an adequate anchor for this global sign-up. Because the passage tells us that it's in connection with this image that people will be required to receive the mark of the beast. It's in connection with this image. And this image is prowess. It makes perfect sense to me. It may not to you. It makes perfect sense to me. And the world of humanity, the humans living on the earth during this dastardly time of history, will be absolutely powerless, powerless before him. The one exception, as we're told there in the last, in, uh, in verse, uh, in verse 8, all those who live on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. So living on the earth at this dark and dastardly time, this 42 months of unprecedented blackness, unprecedented evil, living on the earth during that time, there will be genuine believers. And there will be people who will refuse the mark based upon their confidence, their faith that, God, this, that God's not in this. And it will cost them their lives. And they will have their heads hacked off. Small price to pay for the gift of eternal life. 
One other thing I want you to process. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we are told that right now there is a restrainer. A restrainer means a person or force who restricts, who controls, who limits, who keeps things in check. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you read that that restrainer will restrain until he is taken out of the midst. There's no question that that restrainer who is operating today and restricting the world and sin in the world, holding Satan in check and keeping all of these horrible, horrible, horrible forces in check is the Holy Spirit. No question for what that's so. Jesus said that's one of the things he would do. He will restrict the world. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he's on task doing that as we speak. But that passage in 2 Thessalonians says that he and his influence will be taken out of the way, will be removed. The restraint will be released. And what that's trying to tell us is that there will be a period in our Earth's immediate future when Satan will be unrestrained. See, it doesn't say here in this verse, all those who live on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb. It doesn't say that those people are not going to be martyred. It says they won't worship Satan. It says they will refuse to participate in the 666. It does not say that God will restrain the forces of darkness so that these are not killed. As a matter of fact, it is that group of people who are then seen by John in chapter 7 of the book of the revelation. And with this we close. John says in verse 9 of Revelation 7, After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude of every nation, tribe, people, language, which no man can number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're robed in white with palm branches in their hands. Verse 13. One of the elders asked me, Who are these people robed in white, and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know, he told me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. And that's the title that Jesus gave to this 42 months that we're describing. They came out of the great 
tribulation. They washed their robes, made them white. They are martyrs. Next week, we'll take a look at that third sign that John saw also in heaven. First, he saw the woman, travail, pregnant, giving birth to a male son. Second, he saw the dragon with all the hostility one can imagine, utterly frustrated because he couldn't do anything about the male child until the male child had actually ascended back up to the father's right hand where he was beyond Satan's dimension. Then we see Satan being kicked out of heaven, bringing his demons with him to join the demons already on the earth who have come up out of the abyss, to join the other demons who have been released during the first three and a half years of this period and during the early parts of this period. And the world will be with devils filled, with devils filled with devil's feel. But God has a plan. Our Heavenly Father, thank you tonight. We can not only see the outworking of your plan in these marvelous prophetic passages, you move beyond words and you give us pictures. You give us descriptive actions. You, you show us how it works. You show us what the properties and powers of these different personages will be. And you remind us that you're not finished yet. You're not finished. You're not finished. And when we come to that third great sign in heaven, our hearts are going to leap for joy. We are going to see things happen that are unparalleled in human history human experience and you Lord Jesus will destroy those who destroy the earth you will expunge from this world all that is unholy all that has compromised righteousness and godliness and truth you will exalt your prophets the saints from all the ages and you will fill this earth for 1,000 years with a kingdom of beauty and grace of love and righteousness of peace and joy and then you have one more thing you're going to do and when that's finished we'll find ourselves in a new heavens and a new earth where only righteousness can dwell. My friend, tonight, do you have a ticket? It's uh, horrible to stand here and talk to you about these things if you do not have the assurance of the forgiveness of your sins 
and of the gift of eternal forgiveness and life that comes to those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and who commit themselves to him as Lord and Savior. Have you made that commitment? Have you decided that Jesus is God, just as he said, just as he proved? And that these are not fanciful, idle dreams. These are the substance by which you will fulfill your promises. These are the ways you will execute your righteousness, your judgment, and your eternal glory. I pray, Father, tonight one sits within the sound of my voice and is uncertain, at all uncertain about their relationship with you. I pray that before, before, before they do anything else, they will commit their hearts and lives to you and they will receive you and invite you to be their Savior, their Lord. They will ask your forgiveness and receive from you the gift of eternal life, I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful book. This is probably the ugliest pictures in all the Bible. It shows us the wickedness, the hatred, the vengeance, the evil that is Satan. It shows us and gives us clear description of what happens when a creature turns his back upon his creator and defies him. Thank you for the wonderful good news of a Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the fantastic promises of a new heaven and a new earth. Bless these things to our understanding and to our response and obedience, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Many people will come to faith even during those terrible three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. And many of those babes in Christ will die for their faith. A vast multitude robed in white as John saw them. And not one of them will regret his choice. On the past few broadcasts, we've been thinking about the blackest day in the history of the world. If you'd like to own the message on CD, we'll send one to you for a gift of $7 or more. It's part of a nine-disc package called With John on the Isle of Patmos, and you can get the album for a contribution of $34 or more. Stand by for ordering information. Many hands make light work, as the old saying goes. So we're asking the Lord for more hands, more hands praying, more hands clicking to donate, more writing a check to Aid Right Start. We thank everyone helping us already. If you'd like to lend a hand, here are a few ways to do that. During office hours in the Eastern Time Zone, you can call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Or mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 
43085-USA. Last but not least, you can visit our website, rightstartradio.org. There you can link up to the Right Start podcast, published daily on iTunes, or you can listen to past radio shows right from our site, or hear Pastor Jim's sermons without the edits that we need to make for the broadcast. And you can donate on the website. It's rightstartradio.org. Rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bowls. Judgment is coming. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Please join us for Friday's Right Start. Thank you.